Such knowledge is too wonderful
stand with us, please, singing all hail the power of Jesus' name.
blessings of the music. Thank you for the blessings of each person here. Be with us, Lord, as we go through our day. Be with the ones that are hurting. Be with the ones that need comfort. Be with Jeremiah as he gives the message, and we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. got me up to, oh there, there, there you go all right well good morning everyone good morning. everyone doing all right you guys are doing pretty good y'all over there are just dead <laughs> wake up yeah yeah get that coffee in you all right, all right so um, we are the family god we like to celebrate um, milestones in our lives so anyone celebrate a birthday this past week margaret is And then we, we have one for and Jeff, Pastor Jeff. Yes, and Pastor Jeff also. Ready? Um, Happy birthday to, to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. And happy birthday, Pastor Jeff. Well, <laughs> He's going to record it on the phone. <laughs> oh, that's a high country. 
take it over. Just Jim the whole time going like this. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be hilarious. Yeah, hey, we can put that online too. Yeah, the courtside choir. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, anyone have an anniversary? You, you got married? You didn't get married, but you're celebrating from last. Well, I mean, if you got married too. Nope. No. Yeah. Okay, we're done. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I think announcements. Yeah. Oh. Jim can do that. <laughs> I have to do everything. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? <laughs> One more time. One more button up. I mean it. <laughs> One, two, three. That sounds better. Yeah. Okay. Get the right side. Uh, Tuesday, tops meeting at 7 to 9 a.m. in the fellowship hall. Friday, T Rack night. And again, all you adults who want to come to the team right now, you're definitely invited, so show up. That's the size of it. New people. New people. Uh, <laughs> we, yeah, we got some. I already forgot your name. Marilyn. John, yeah. <laughs> John and Marilyn. Stand up. This is John and Marilyn from? Iowa. Iowa. All right. Okay. Anybody, anybody else? Go ahead and sit down. Uh, anybody back for the first time? Oh, yeah. Well. Cookie is. Oh, Cookie. I'll start back here. Good for you. Are you used to the heat by now? You know, I, I told a friend of mine, I was talking to him about the Lord, and we finished, before we finished up, the last thing I said was, you know, you don't like this heat down here, do you? And he said, no, I hate it. And I said, just remember, hell's going to be a lot harder. <laughs> Cookie. <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> Okay, uh, I do have a prayer request here. Uh, Lucy gave us a note. Prayers for a great um, niece, uh, Laura and family, just lost their dad, her dad, uh, to COVID-19, uh, 54 years old. Um, 
what was his name? His name is Robert, and her name is Laura. Laura's easier. <laughs> it rhymes. <laughs> Louisa. Oh. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Turn everything over to the Lord. He's the only one that can help in these times of bringing peace. Stand up. <laughs> this is Mary Kay. Okay, sit down. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Where are you from originally? You don't have any friends here right now. You better be quiet. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yep, that's true. You're from Montana? <laughs> sure is nice we're having weather. Uh, we, let's, let's pray so I can stop this. <laughs> Father in heaven, we do thank you for your love, your mighty love. Father, what a, what a great and wonderful God you are. Life through the Lord Jesus Christ for all eternity. Thank you, Father, for that great and wonderful gift called grace. Father, we just pray that you would uh, hear these prayers that we've already mentioned. Uh, this, uh, Louisa, the, um, her father's died. Father, we just pray that you would bless her with a quietness of spirit, give her peace in her heart. And, Father, for uh, Dave, Sheena's dad, uh, Father, we just give him entirely into your care. And, Lord, we just... Thank you so much for your great and wonderful mercies, and uh, thank you for loving us, and we pray all these things. Actually, um, we need to bless Pastor Jeremiah. What a, what a gift you've given to us in him, Lord, and we pray that you continue to strengthen him in spirit and uh, in all things according to your uh, pleasure. Father, thank you for him. Um, bless the servants this morning. Uh, open our hearts to understand new things about you. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Well, after today, you might not be thinking of that. <laughs> All right. So. My prayers are non-refundable. Okay. Um, so, I was talking to a couple guys last night. We were talking about Scholars Academy. Scholars Academy was the charter school that used to be in Quartzsite. Um, it was here for a while. Um, make fun of every single teenager that went through it because um, I can. And Gabe actually went through Scholars Academy and you can tell the, the, the educational level when you talk to him. So, um, <laughs> but he is really good. He was the salutedictorian? Saluted, I don't know what that is. I was, yeah, yeah, it's something. I, here was the valedictorian, here was me, so. You can tell my education, too. <laughs> I came from California. Um, so, but anyways, so um, while Scholars Academy, in their last few years, I got the pleasure of um, coaching their baseball team, and I shared that with you before. But um, during, the, during the baseball time, I am the type of coach, I don't like disorder. Um, I like everyone to, you come for two hours, I have you. 
and you're going to work for those two hours nonstop. And I had a, um, a rule that everyone, everyone that um, messed up or they had a problem or they rebelled against my, um, my dictatorship, because that's what coaching is, it's not, a, um, it's not parliamentary or anything. So I told them, if you get in trouble, the whole team gets in trouble. Um, and so one day, one of these teenagers, it was, he was a freshman, you know how freshmen are, um, he thought that he was going to challenge me. And the, what had happened was this. It was beginning to get hotter. His name was Ryan. It was beginning to get hotter. And I had a rule on our team. As long as the softball girls were there, because we shared a, um, a field, as long as they were there, the boys couldn't take off their shirts. Didn't matter how hot it was, you couldn't take off your shirts. That was my, my rule. When the girls weren't there, I don't care, you know. Um, I just made them slide at that point. So um, and if, if you don't get that, then <laughs> you don't, you've never slid. Um, so, but I would, I would tell them that. Well, it was starting to get hotter, and the girls were practicing that day. And I had the guys on the field. And Ryan says, it's too hot. I want to take off my shirt. I said, you can't because the girls are here. And he says, I don't care. He takes off his shirt. So I go, okay. All right, everyone, we're going to run bases. Um, because as a, not as a punishment, but as an encouragement not to do certain things, um, I would have them run bases. And the way that I have my team run bases was you start at home, you get in the long line, and you have to sprint to first, and then you have to side shuffle to second, and then you have to sprint to third and side shuffle. And you kept doing this, until I told you to stop. And so the whole team had to do this nonstop. And so they're running it. About five times around, I start hearing complaining. Why are we doing this? I said, it's because of Ryan. Tell him to get his shirt back on. So they start riding him. But they have to do this as they're running because they can't stop. So they run this about ten times. Finally, one of them goes, Coach, we need water. It's hot, we need water. I said, I, you can get water when Ryan puts on a shirt. And so they keep going. Finally, another one of the older guys, he says, Coach, we really need water. We're really dying out here. I said, okay. I'm going to go get water. And when I turn my back and I come back here, if Ryan has his shirt on, then you guys can stop. As soon as I turn my back, I hear Ryan scream. And I could hear them all chasing him down. <laughs> and you just hear this. <laughs> because you know they tackled him. Right? Oh, yeah. I turned back around with a cup of water. And sure enough, Ryan had his shirt on. And he never took off his shirt. Uh, ever again. <laughs> ever. He just kept the same shirt. Even today he's wearing the same shirt. <laughs> But this idea of having order, right, is really important, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to be at the end of the chapter, so we're going to be in uh, verses 26 through 40. We're going to be covering this whole thing, but we're really going to be covering the order of the service, okay? So through this whole uh, time that we've been going through 1 Corinthians, right, we've been talking about... We've been talking about this idea of unity, 
right? This whole thing, this whole thing, Paul starts out with understanding of unity. And we talked about how we, we cut this into two themes or two overarching or one overarching theme, which is bringing the disunity into unification. And Paul does this by going after two parts. The first part is our personal relationships with each other. And that can happen anywhere. That's believers' relationships with each other. And so we talked about um, like our, our, just our lives, our interaction, business interactions, all that type of stuff is what Paul talks about in those first 10 chapters. You got that up there, um, um, Dan? Uh, so that's the first thing is the personal relationships. That's the first 10 chapters. Then in the last six chapters, Paul starts focusing on corporate worship. And so this idea that in this time, right, when we come together to worship God together, what are we supposed to do to bring unification in this point? And so we talked about that as Paul walks us through it. Now, the main thrust of this part is from chapter 12 to the beginning of chapter 16, and Paul really focuses on the spiritual gifts. And so we talked about those. We went very into detail about all of them. We um, all the 20 that Paul lists throughout his letters, we've gone over. Um, that's the whole point of the Sasquatch back there. Um, this whole idea of what are the gifts, how are they supposed to be utilized within the body of Christ, right? And so we've gone through this whole thing. And today, we're coming to the point in Paul's writing that is a controversial topic. Now, we've already covered two, right? We've covered hid coverings, and we covered... Um, uh, the gift of tongues. So we've covered those two, and today we're going to be covering um, women to be silent in the church. So ladies, please don't get mad at me. <laughs> All right? Um, because I think by putting this in context, it's going to make a lot of sense. All right? And so by walking through this, and this is one of the things, I want to ask you guys to do this. Because, um, I don't, I've never asked for you to chime in on what the sermon is, but this way I've been praying, and I've, I've come to a conclusion through a lot of time of asking God. Next week, okay, I'm going to ask you to, at the end of this sermon, at the end of the service, to give your opinion on something, okay? And what that is, is what are we going to talk about next week, okay? And I'm going to ask you that at the end, right? So as we're walking through this, at the end of it, I'm going to ask you a question, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to choose what we're going to talk about next week. And there's a reason why, all right? So if I forget, remind me, all right? <laughs> I had to say that, so I wouldn't forget, all right? Okay. But we're going to walk through this, and we're going to take this time, and we're going to look at the whole of this passage together. Because if we just take out, and we cut this passage into two, which a lot of times I've seen people do. They cut the first part out from the second part, and we you tend to focus on the second part a lot because it's a controversial topic, but we forget that it's part of a, the greater whole, and that's what we're trying to do in our summer series, right, is we're trying to look at the whole of Scripture to understand what's being talked about, not just the, the parts, okay? So let's read through this, and then we're going to get into um, this, this passage, all right? So here we go. And when we come to the part and you hear something and it might, you might go, ah, oh, that really makes me angry, okay? Let it go. And we're going to go back through, okay? Here we go. Shh. Um, here we go. 
chapter 14, starting in verse 26, we're going to read all the way through uh, 40. What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at, at most three should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should be quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the congregations of the saints, women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must, re must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Did the word of God originate with you, or are you the only people it has reached? If anybody thinks he is a prophet or spiritually gifted, let him acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the, command, is the Lord's command. If he ignores this, he himself will be ignored. Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy, and do not forbid speaking in tongues. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. All right. So let's talk about this. We're going to start at the beginning, and then we'll get to the, the harder stuff. Okay? So Paul starts out with this whole thing with, this, with talking about what is our kind of our skeletal structure of our worship time. Right? So what's interesting about this, Paul does not go, okay, here's the step-by-step -step order of your service, okay? Or if you want to get more high church, the liturgy, all right? So in every single church, we have a liturgy, okay? We have an order of service. And depending on the church, the, you'll have different things, right? So in some churches, you'll go in. I, um, okay, so let's start, for example. Um, you come in. We have three songs, right? Um, we have some time of fellowship. Usually we would get up and talk and shake hands and, you know, dumb viruses. Um, you know, but we would do that, right? Um, then we go into a time of celebration because we're, we're celebrating each other's lives through, um, through uh, you know, singing about birthdays. And um, we do that. Then we go into the Word and we study that. And then we come out, and we do more singing, we do an offering, and then we say bye-bye, um, God bless, right? That's, that's a liturgy, okay? That's going through it. That's a simple liturgy. Now, if you go into a different church, a high church, you might have a lot more pomp and circumstance with that. It might be, uh, depending on if you go into, like, uh, an Episcopal church, or uh, you might have some incense. I went to an Episcopal church one time. It was very beautiful, um, but it was very... Like, there were certain things you said at certain times. Um, so depending on the, your church background, you might do it. In some churches, they don't do anything. I mean, they, you'll come in, still liturgy, still order of service. You'll come in, and it's like music, sermon, see ya, right? Um, and so depending on the church is the order of service. Paul doesn't give us an order of service. He doesn't say this, and then this, and then this, and then this, and then this is how it's structured. This is what you're supposed to say and everything. Okay? But rather what he does is he gives us a skeleton, just things that are to be in the service. Okay? And so let's talk about those. 
the first one he talks about is he says, now this translation says him. Okay? Now, let's step back for a minute. What is a hymn? Okay, it's a song. Okay, now the word there is actually almost, so it's a psalm is actually what's being talked about here. Okay, so I don't know why the translators translate as hymn because it's actually a psalm. Okay, and there's actually a word for hymn in Greek, but that's not here. It's a psalm. And so, but the thing with the psalm is, so when I say psalm, what do you think? The, the psalms, right? The there's a book called Psalms, and there's a bunch of uh, poetry songs, and it's called Psalms. Okay, the psalm, the word psalm, it has two parts to it. It's the psalm that we all just thought of, right? But then it has the idea of musical instruments or singing, okay? So that's a part of it. So basically what Paul's saying is that a part of our liturgy, a part of our order of service, we need to sing, Right? It's interesting, Paul goes into a little more detail in Ephesians, and Ephesians is the, it's Ephesians 5.19, he actually says this, he says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs of the spirit, or spiritual songs, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, okay? We need to sing, okay? If we're not singing, we're missing out, okay? This is one of the things over in California that the, they're t- they were talking about not allowing the churches to sing. That is a part of our DNA. We have to sing to the Lord. Okay, um, if you don't sing, yeah, when I first came um, came to Christ, I was part of churches, and I'm like, I just stood there. I'm like, I'm not singing. They might make fun of me. I'm not that good of a singer. And then one day I realized because God smacked me upside the head. He's like, I don't care. You're not singing to the person next to you. You are singing to me. I gave you that voice. I don't care how bad it is. You're singing to me. It's a beautiful noise to me. And I love that the scriptures say make a joyful noise. Yeah. Right? It doesn't say make a joyful operatic singing. Yeah, it's just make that good noise. Okay? And if it's a heart that desires to lift up God, to worship him, then that is a beautiful sound to God. We need to sing. It needs a part of this. Okay? Let's talk about the next thing. We're kind of just going to throw through this pretty quickly. The next thing Paul says is we need a teaching. Okay? We need teaching. This is a time where we are going to, when we talked about the gifts of teaching, we talked about how the idea is unlayering. Okay? We need a time when we're unlayering the scripture in a group. Okay? So it's good to, uh, to do this in small groups. It's it's, you better be doing this on your own, <laughs> okay? Um, but when we get together here, it's a, a corporate unlayering, okay? So we're all on the same page. So we're all understanding the scriptures together. Does that make sense? So we need this teaching. It has to be a part. So this is one of the things. Um, why we'll never, I won't say never, but most likely we will never get to a point where we're just doing songs. Songs are great, and it's great to have that time of singing, but we also need the scriptures to be open, okay? We can't neglect the scriptures, okay? So we need to have that. Um, And so we, and one of the greatest things is the fact that when I, this is something that God taught me a long time ago. I was going to church, and it was really boring, okay? It's a lot like how I preach, really boring. Um, 
And the pastor, I, okay, the guy was a, a pretty good man of God, okay? But the way he preached was verse by verse. And not that, there are some people that do verse by verse and they're amazing. But I, one, one Sunday, I counted how many times he looked down and looked up. Okay, because I'm so bored. 210 times. Looked up and looked down. In a 45 minute, <laughs> I counted every one. Um, and then, you know what God talked to me that day after I did all that? Why are you focusing on someone and their head nods when you're supposed to be focused on me and learning about me? He's like, you missed it. And so from that day on, um, I made a commitment to no matter how bad the speaker was, I, I was going to learn one thing about God through it. And so, and from then on, there's never been a speaker I've been like, that guy's horrible. Because he brought the word, and I learned something about God. And so when we come to the teaching part, it's the, the teacher's job to teach, right? It's our job to learn. And so we need to be open to what God is teaching, okay? Um, the next one is revelation. And I find this really interesting. He says, we need to have a revelation. Um, now this word, um, it has a lot of different parts to it. It basically just means the mystery, okay? So it's the revealing of the mystery of God. And this can be the, the mystery of the gospel. It can be like the you're reading the scriptures and you have a revelation sense of wow, I just realized, right? Now, when we usually talk about revelation, a lot of people, apocalypse, like that's where our minds go, the book of Revelation, right? But that's not what the word means. It just means the revealing of the mystery. And this could be something as simple as I was sitting on my couch one day and I realized I could go to God on my couch and I could speak to him on my couch. I didn't have to go to church to do that, right? And so just like simple things. And it could be you walk in the door and someone comes up to you and says, man, I've been praying for you this week. I don't know why, but I've been praying for you this week. And you might go, oh my goodness, God's talking to that person and they didn't even know it because I really needed that, that prayer. You know, it's, it's little things like that that can be the revelation. And one of the things that we have to do, though, is we have to let people know right? We have to testify to it. We have to have that testimony. If we're just keeping silent with God's revelation, how is that benefiting anyone? We need to, to share that, okay? And next week, we're going to give some time for that, okay? For if you have a, a, a revealing that God has revealed to you, um, we want you to share that. So be prepared, okay? Um, but that's one of the things that we need to do. We need to have revelations, and we need to share those revelations with each other. The last thing that he does here, he talks about the gifts, and he's talking about the gift of tongues, and then he goes into the gift of prophecy. And so it's having room for the gifts. At the end of it, he says, don't hinder speaking in tongues, right? And so it's, we need to make sure that our gifts are being used. Now, the thing is, though, when he gets into the gifts, when he starts talking about he uses tongues and prophecy, he talks about how if you have the gift of tongues, 
he says, no more than three, right? Two, no more than three should speak. So if you have five people that speak the gift of, the gift of tongues, sure. two of them don't get to speak, okay? That's, that's what Paul's saying here, okay? But then he adds to this, and he says, but only if there's an interpreter. So if there's an interpreter, then they can speak, right? But if there's not, he says, let them speak to God, okay? And it's not having it here. We actually talked about this last week, about this is why the gift of tongues, we talk about it's not a, just an explosion, right? An explosion of, I have to do it, but rather it, it can be orderly, right? You can choose to speak in tongues, okay? And, but he goes on and he, he incorporates prophecy here. And he says, how many prophets? No more than three. And then he says, if one's up there and someone has a revelation, that first one needs to sit down and that other one needs to stand up and give it, right? And so just this idea, this very orderly thing, okay? And this is actually what he says um, in verse 33. He says, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. And so Paul starts out with this whole thing about what this worship time is with this very specific idea of it needs to be orderly. There needs to be order to it. It can't be just running around. Okay? There needs to be some order. And he gives us the skeleton. He says there needs to be singing. There needs to be um, teaching. There needs to be revelation. There needs to be the room for the gifts to be used. Okay? And all of it needs to be done in an orderly fashion. All right? And so... Um, I was, my sister, uh, my, old, my oldest sister, she started going to this church. And um, wonderful pastor, wonderful ministry they do. Um, it's a very interesting structure in how they do everything. But uh, she was telling me about this situation that they had. And there are, there are gifts, they believe in all the gifts, and, uh, but they're, they're not an alliance church. Um, they're not an assembly. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a missional church or something. Anyways, um, she, she was talking about this one Sunday. People, the, the spirit was moving, and all of a sudden, people were using their gifts, and it was different gifts. Um, and she said, but then something, it, something happened. It was almost like, like the spirit just left. And she wasn't saying that the spirit left, but the idea, she's like, someone, it was almost like someone decided that they were going to become like, the one in charge, if that makes sense. Um, and they start, it became not about what the Spirit was doing, but what that person was doing. And the pastor had to come out and had to stop it because it started becoming about that person and not what the Spirit was doing. And so after that, she said that the elders came forward and they said, this was like the next week, the elders came forward and said, for now on, because we want to be in an orderly fashion before God, we're going to ask if you're going to share a word or share a tongue or share whatever, um, please talk to an elder prior. And so just this idea of we want to be in order and we want to not restrict, but we want to make sure that it doesn't become about us. It's just an interesting thing. Now, is that right or wrong, what they did? That's not what I, what I want to focus on because just the idea of 
we need to be intentional about being orderly, okay? Um, and using what God has given us in an orderly fashion, all right? So, but then from there, Paul gets into the, the controversy that, and this is more of a controversy for us, right? Because we're very much individualists, we're very much um, girl power, if I can say that, right? Um, and so, but it's a, it's a very much different world, right, than Paul's writing in. And that's one of the things that we have to understand as we're getting into this. This is a, a different world that Paul's talking about. And so we have to understand better that world so we can understand why Paul is doing. But one of the things that I want us to really focus or really recognize at this point, what is Paul saying to the people? So we have the, the five speakers in tongues. What is he saying to those two other ones? Keep quiet. So when we start getting this, when we hear when Paul says women should be silent in church, it's, he's not out of the blue. A lot of times I, I've talked to people and they say, that part where Paul starts talking about women being quiet, he's just, just picking on women. And the reality is, he's picking on everyone. Okay? He's just focusing on women at this point. So let's get into this and really go after what is being said here. Okay, are we doing okay with all that? Okay, so let's let's talk about that. All right, so I want us to focus in on um, a couple things. Uh, first, this isn't the only passage that's like this. Um, first, uh, uh, first Timothy uh, chapter two, verse eleven and twelve is very similar. Okay, it says a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. Okay, this isn't the only passage that we have something like this. Um, so let's talk about first what is going on in Greek and Roman society because that's a huge thing, right? At the very beginning of the Corinthian letter, we talked about what Corinth was, right? Corinth is the metropolis. We, um, we kind of related it to this um, to Sin City itself, to Las Vegas, it's kind of like that in the sense of there's a lot of sin going around, a lot of sexuality going around. Um, in this other, when Paul is writing to Timothy, we're talking about Ephesus and this, this idea of um, uh, sex being used in worship uh, is going on in Ephesus. And so Paul's, we have to understand the world that Paul's talking about. So Corinth is a Greek, it's a Roman city. And this whole idea of what women were being used for at the time. Okay? So at this point, we talked about this when we talked about head coverings. The idea of shaving your head and then putting on a wig was a sign for a prostitute to say, hey, I'm available. Right? And that occurred within the temples, within the, the worship setting of the pagan temples. And so you have this situation where women are being uh, utilized in a sexual way in religious practices. Okay? And they're being lifted up to a priesthood to where now they're doing authority and they're using sexuality to, to do worship, basically. Okay? And so we have to understand that. Because when Paul starts talking to women here, that's what's going on in the world around them. And in the worship, that, and it's coming into the church. And it doesn't stop. So uh, Corinthians is written... Um, approximately in the late 50s, um, early 60s, 
and you have, yeah, something like that. Um, and you have Ephesians uh, or First Timothy written about five years later. And so this, what's going on in the culture isn't stopping. Okay, so you have Paul start using language to help us start understanding. So you have the Greeks and Romans, and they're doing this right. And sometimes, sometimes when we want to deal with an issue, we we just deal with it, right? We just say, this is the line, no more, right? Um, on that baseball team, the girls, softball coach, she would tell the girls um, that when you, when you are batting, right? So you're up to bat, right? Um, and if I'm not doing it correctly, this is just an example, okay? Um, but you're up to bat, and one of the things is you need to keep your eyes on one particular thing. Anyone know what that is? The ball. All right. So um, what a lot of people will do, though, is they'll go from here, right? Um, this isn't the perfect stance. They go from here, and they'll look up, right? They'll look up trying to find the ball. And so what you're taught is to keep your head down, and your head never moves. Your shoulders move, okay? Um, and there's a way to do this. I'm just not doing it, okay? But you... So what she would do is she would tell the girls to keep your eye on the ball. Now, this is, you shouldn't do this in a game, right? Because your shoulders need to move. But to keep their eye on the ball and not have it move up, she would tell them, take your bra strap and put it in your mouth. To hold your head there so you will keep looking. Okay, that's the idea. So you know what I told the boys? If your head keeps moving, you're going to wear a bra. And you're going to bite that bra straight off. And they didn't think I was serious. So I went down to the, um, the community store. Oh, no. And I bought no. the biggest bra I could find. You actually did. And the next time a boy did it, I, I walked up behind him, put on the bra. I said, bite that bra straight dude. You know how many people um, wore that bra? No, three. They didn't learn. But they did. But that was kind of an extreme, like, we're stopping this, right? And so when we're talking about these things, Paul's saying we're stopping. We need to stop this because of things that it could lead to, all right? So let's talk about some of the things. So he uses two phrases and then one word that I want us to focus on. The first one is this keep silent, right? Um, in this translation, translation, it says remain silent. But it's this idea, it's this sigayo. Uh, um, I, you know, I say it exactly the way it's supposed to, but um, other people don't, so. Um, but basically, the idea is just to keep something secret. This is really interesting that he uses this, because there's other words to use just to be quiet. But rather, he uses this word that means to keep secret or to, to keep from other people. And so, it has this connotation of knowing when to present something. Okay. So it's not just shut your mouth. It's know when to speak. Okay, Know when to ask something. Um, and just this idea, because later on he says, if you have a question, he says, bring it to your husband. So it's this idea of if you have something to say that doesn't need to be said at the moment, what do you need to do? You need to keep it secret, keep it silent. Okay, so until that proper time, 
right? And so this is something, I mean, um, have, have you ever had uh, a conversation with someone? And when you're with that person, you're having this conversation, you start off and you start talking about the weather, and then within five minutes you're talking about your grandbabies or you're talking about, you know, something, and then you go, how did we get here? Right? Well, think about that in a group this size. If we all just started speaking, and whatever w came to our mind and we started talking, what would happen to this time? It would have been like It'd be chaos, right? Yeah. We wouldn't know. And so we would be, one person would be over here going, what is going on? Right? And someone else would be like, I didn't understand what that person, I didn't even hear that person. Right? And it would just be this chaotic. And so Paul's saying, look, keep quiet. Make sense? Keep that thing secret. All right? The next thing he says is no speaking. Okay, so he goes on and he uses this other phrase of no speaking. And this is an interesting word because it carries with it this idea of chattering. You know the difference between talking and chattering? Man, it's like the example right here. Um, <laughs> right? It's, it's this idea, this talk, this talk. When you talk to someone, you're having a conversation, right? And it's, um, you're going back and forth. But chattering is just talking. It's interrupting. It has no purpose to it. It's just, you're just making words out of your mouth, right? It's just chatter. And so Paul's saying, don't chatter. Don't just talk to talk. So keep secret, keep silent on the things that need to be keep silent on. And don't chatter that has no purpose to it, right? Now, ladies, I'm going to say something, and you're probably going to get angry with me. They say that women talk 20,000 words a day, and they only say that men talk about 7,000. Now, now, I know that you have to repeat yourself, okay? I understand that. I know you have to repeat. We don't always listen. Right? So I understand. I understand that you have to repeat. But that's only 14,000 words. Where's the other 6,000? <laughs> then where's that 1,000? Yeah, I thought about this. Rebecca just looked at me when I told her this. She's like, you should listen. <laughs> but no, I, but the reality is, and I don't want you to get mad at me, but ladies, you all talk a little bit more than this. Okay? Amen. <laughs> You know, I said something a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't get an amen. Um, I understand because the guys didn't want to get in trouble, but your wife isn't here this week, and now I get the amen. I see how it is. Um, but anyways, but just this idea that we really need to take seriously what we're saying, right? And Paul's not picking on the women because he already told the whole church to do this exact same thing. Be quiet when you need to be quiet, right? And so just this idea that, ladies, and th can, I, can I be honest and I'm not going to get, yeah, tomatoes at me? We need to be quiet when we need to be quiet, right? Not just for you ladies. I've had to learn this because I used to say a lot of dumb stuff. I mean, I still do. Um, but I had to learn this, this skill of I, I need to be quiet, right? And guys, 
if you get married, you learn this skill, right? You know after a while, I just shouldn't say anything right now, right? And so it's a skill we all need to learn. And Paul's really going after this. Why? Because in the societies that's going on, the women are at this point where they're using their, their, the pagans, right, worship and bringing it into church. And Paul's saying, look, it's different here. And Paul actually goes back and he, he says, as it is in the law. He's saying this is something that it's not a, the way the church is supposed to function this way, it's not a cultural thing. This is something that is within God's purposes. Okay? And we actually talked about this when we talked about the head covering, the, the created order. This idea that you have that God created man and then woman and this, this created order. And in that order, it's actually really freeing. Right? One of the things I love to do is when I don't have any responsibilities, like when I go to a church and I don't have to preach or I don't have to do anything, I just sit there and I, you know how freeing that is? when I don't have responsibility, because then I just enjoy. Like, everything's an enjoyment at that point, because I can just worship God. I don't have to worry about if I sound good enough for someone, right, when I lead music, or if I'm, I don't need to know if I'm keeping anyone awake, right, because I don't have to do those things, because it's just an enjoyment. And when we get into the, the positions that God has created us to be in, I don't have to worry about those other things. Because God says, that's someone else's problem. I just have to deal with my own. And so when we get into our positions where God has called us to, it's freeing. In fact, this talks about as being a light burden. That his burden is light. Because we don't have to deal with those other things. You know? So, so we got those two things. The, the last thing I was to focus on is this word disgrace or shameful. And, it's, and it literally translates that disgraceful, it's shameful, it's base, like the, the, the base of something, like the bad part of it. Um, it's improper. And Paul uses this idea just to get across that, look, pagan stuff, it doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man. When we use pagan stuff in our worship, it's not pleasing to God. Like anything. And a lot of times, like, how does this work out? Okay. So, um, it's an easy way to do it. So, when we're talking about, we come into the church, right? Um, and we do things like, uh, okay, I'm going to make someone mad today. <laughs> if I haven't already. Okay, this, this table, anyone know what this table's called? Table. No, it has an actual word. An altar. Okay, why is it called the altar? Why is it called an altar, though? Nope. Okay. This is a pagan relic. Now, we can talk about Judaism. Okay. So in Judaism, you have this idea that there's an altar. What was the altar for? For sacrifice. Okay. When was the last time we sacrificed? The Old Testament. When was the last, per when was the last sacrifice for the church? Jesus. Jesus was the sacrifice. But we continue to have an altar. Why? Okay. No. Okay, so if you, if you go back and you start looking at what the Christians did, right? Where did the Christians first meet? 
They meet in houses, right? And in the synagogue. So they would meet there. Um, but they started meeting in churches. But when they took over, uh, when um, Christianity became the, the national religion of Rome, the Romans began to either convert old uh, um, temples to Christians, giving them over to Christians, or they got rid of them. Or a lot of times what they would do is they would do civic buildings. Okay? And this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but just this idea of bringing paganism into the church. Okay? So one of those things, what it would be is, it would have, and hopefully I'm not going to break this. Anyone getting mad yet? Not yet. <laughs> so you would have up on the up on a platform like this, you would have a chair. Okay? If you ever go into a Catholic church, you, this will be more apparent. You would have a chair up here. And then you have an altar. Okay? In the judicial system, though you would come to the, the table and you would plead your case to the judge who was sitting in the in the throne. Okay? That was held over into the church. You had the, the, the priest or the father or the, the bishop, whoever was in that area, um, would sit in the chair. And the idea is that we would, and this is where we get this idea of coming to the altar. Okay? Is this idea of pleading to God. Okay. That is a pagan. Now, is that a big deal? Not really. But the idea is originally... This was a leftover from a pagan idea. Okay. Now, are we going to get rid of it? Should have seen the bigger one we had. We did get rid of that because it was really heavy and it was breaking. But the idea here is we need to be really careful with bringing pagan ideas. And when I use the word pagan, I'm using that as a very loose idea of things not of God. We have to be really careful. Back in the, um, in the 50s and 60s, even prior to that, how did you have to dress to go to church? Very nice, right? Now, there's a, there's a good aspect of it. It's, it's reverence, right? It's, um, but uh, one of, the, one of the, um, the things about the church at the time, one of the, the criticisms of the church is, unless you were dressed up, it was almost like you were shunned. Right? And I still believe, hey, stop the chattering. Um, I still believe that the best dress that we should have is flip-flops, right? Because Jesus wore sandals. And so why, why not wear, why can't I wear sandals? Right? It is. I'm trying to emulate, I'm trying to emulate Jesus. I wear my flip-flops almost 100% of the time. Um, but that's just a, that's just a joke. Uh, well, no, I actually but um, no, but just this idea that we got to be really careful, right, of bringing pagan things into the church. And we need to go to God and say, God, what in me is still pagan, right? In the sense of I'm still holding on to certain things, okay? Um, one of the things, worry is a great example of what is not of God, right? Worry is this idea that I get to control things. Okay, that, guess what? That's not of God. You don't control God. God's got it. You can be concerned about something, meaning that, you know, I, I need to deal with this. But worry is, is that, that horse, right? That rocking horse. You just keep worrying and worrying and get nowhere. 
right? It's these things that we bring in and into our worship that we need to ex- exercise, get them out, okay? So Paul, when he's talking about this, he's, he's saying it's shameful, it's disgraceful to have these things. And when we're chattering away or when we're just not adding anything to the worship, what are we actually doing? We're distracting from God who is worthy of our worship, who that's why we've come together. You know, if we wanted to have time and to worship God and chatter to God, there's time for that, right? There's time to do that. We have a whole week to do that. But when we come here, what are we doing? We're focusing on God. We're focusing on Him. We're, we're desiring the Word. We're desiring to lift Him up in, in worship. We're desiring that nothing gets in except what He wants. And when we start with that on our mind, if every single one of us came in to this worship time with that on our mind, and there's a lot of stuff that's going on in our lives, right? There's a lot of stuff that could be that we're, that we're thinking about, and God's saying, leave it right now. I want to build my church. And how does he build that? Through the worship of him. And so we really need to realize that. Now, I want to take a moment and just step back and say, and ladies, let's look at this from a social viewpoint, okay? This is a great role for you ladies. Um, Where it says, ask your husband. Now, I want to get into that part in a little bit, but think about what this would do. Um, Wives and daughters, think about holding that question. Say we're uh, we're doing a teaching time, and the pastor or whoever's teaching, is they say something, and you go, wait, I don't understand that. If we waited and just held that, and we asked the, the spiritual fathers in our lives, because um, some of you are a little older, um, your fathers aren't there, um, but just this idea, right? If we were to hold that, what would that do to the relationship between a daughter and a father or a wife and a husband? No, it builds. It strengthens it strengthens the family because what that does is it says, man, you need to take serious your spiritual walk. You need to stay awake during the teaching. You need to go into the scriptures. You need to understand what's going on because you might be asked of it by your family. And that, I mean, what is one of the biggest things that people go in for counseling for marriage is communication? Yeah, not talking to each other. Paul's basically saying, I want you to talk with each other. Ladies, talk with your, your husbands. Talk with your fathers, right? This idea of talking to those people that God has put over us in our spiritual walks. And that could be a lot of different people, right? So for me, I have, I have my dad I can talk to, but I have other men in my life that I go to and I say, hey, I have a question. Can you speak into my life? You know? Um, And so just this idea of it strengthens the bond between families because now there's spiritual conversations. And you know what? Our conversations nowadays in families usually consist of chores, school, discipline. Like, those are the top three. Those are the things I talk to my kids about the most. 
do your work at school, do your chores, I'm going to knock you out, right? So those are the things I talk to them about, right? And, but what, what, do, what do we need? We need spiritual leaders, right? And I think, and this is my, I, I firmly believe this. Men, we have not been the spiritual leaders we should. We can see this because of society. Like there are so, social ills because men haven't taken their role as spiritual leaders seriously. And we can see this in a lot of different places. One of the things that we can see this is, is in the church. Uh, um, they've done tons of different you know, statistics and things like this, but here's just kind of one. Listen to this. If no parent is attending a church, but the child is. So we have kids that do this, right, in our children's program. Um, only 6% of them will hold on to that faith when they grow up with no parents. Okay? Now, if a mom comes and she's with there with their child, it jumps to 15%. So it doubles, or more than doubles, right? But listen to this. If not the mom, but just the dad attends, it jumps from 6% to 55. That's a huge jump. And then if both parents attend, 72%. Okay, that's a huge jump. And that's why this is so, so important, right? To have men as spiritual leaders and to have both the parents as spiritual leaders. Because that's where it comes into. It's not just the man that's the spiritual leader of, her, of his, of his um, family. He's the, the one that God puts over all of them, but the wife is just important. Okay? Now, here's the thing, though. In our, in our area, um, we might not have fathers, right? Um, might not have husbands because they have they've died, they have not done their role as the father, as the husband that they should. Right? So where do we need to go? We need to press into God. He is our Father. We are to go after Him. And that's one of the things. The majority of the time when we give challenges here, the first thing we talk about is seek God. That's what the first thing we need to do. Because I'll tell you what, God wants us. Jesus, I love the fact that Jesus this is one of the reasons they think that Joseph is dead. But Jesus doesn't talk about Joseph. He just, he talks about God the Father. And he keeps pointing us back. God the Father. God the Father. Our Father who art in heaven. Right? And so just pointing us back. Why? Because no matter what our earthly father does, God will always be there. And so where do we need to press into? I have questions. You know where I ask my questions? The first person I ask my questions to? It's God. Why? Because he's a smarter person than anyone I've ever met. Okay? And so I ask him first. And I keep asking him for weeks and weeks on end until either I get an answer or, or I'm like, I'm getting too frustrated and I ask one of my spiritual fathers, which is someone I see in the faith that I say I want them to speak into my life. And so... Ladies, if you don't have that, if you don't have a, a husband or a, um, or a father that can speak into, pr 
press into God the more. It's going to be a better thing. And so that's, that's something that we really need to do. And so um, all of this, Paul doesn't end with the women. He goes back to the prophets. He goes back to the tongues. And he goes back to all this needs to be done in order. Right? All of it needs to be done in order. And so before we get the challenge, my question is this. Next week, because I'm, I've struggled with what we should talk about, and I, found, I came to the point where I felt God saying, why don't you ask? You never do that, Jeremiah. Why don't you ask? Um, so do we want to talk another week of women's roles in the church? Or do we want to continue into Corinthians? And so I want you to think about that, okay? Do we want to take another week and, and go into what is the role of women in the church so we can get a clear biblical understanding of that? Or do we want to just continue? You're like, ah, it's, it's fine. I'm not, it's not an issue for me. Um, let's just continue on Corinthians, okay? And so think about that. And I want your response. So as you're heading out the door, just be like, Option A, option B. Option A is we do uh, a week of women in church. Option B is, no, just continue on through Corinthians, okay? So I want you guys to give me that, um, that thing, and the majority wins, okay? So um, just A or B, all right? But the challenge is this, very simple. Because we want to do what Paul is calling us to do, I want to give you a challenge of one of three things, okay? The first thing is, what is a song that you would love to sing in church? Okay? Write it on a piece of paper, stick it into the offering basket, and hopefully Cookie can play it. Um, but, so, just put, because what did it say? Bring a song, right? Bring a hymn. So, let's bring a song, alright? The second one is, um, bring a um, I gotta look at this now. Um, an insight into God's word. Okay, so an insight, something that you've learned from God through teaching. Um, it could be here. It doesn't have to be from me. Okay, I'm not that egotistical. All right, um, but just something that you've learned from God that you want to share with other people. And then the last one is this idea of an encouraging word. An encouraging word for your brothers and sisters. Okay? Now, the last two, if you do those, you're going to stand in front of everyone. And you just stand up. You don't have to, like, come up here. And, okay? And you just share. This is what God has shown me. Or this is what I want to encourage you with today. Okay? If it's a song, we're not going to make you sing the song. Well, I mean, you should sing the song, but we're not going to make you go up and sing the song. Okay? Um, but just this idea that we need to start utilizing our gifts. We need to start utilizing what God has given us. Um, and so we want to encourage you to be more a part of this. Because it sometimes feel like, right, that like you come to church, you sit, listen, and then you go home. We need to be more together, but we need to do so in an orderly fashion. All right? So, and when we do this, what, what the great thing about this is, when we start following God the way he designs, that's when our light shines all the brighter. And in the dark world that's happening, that's becoming more and more dark around us, the light shines brighter the darker it gets. And so we need to start 
um, doing that as a group, not just as individualized, but as one big bonfire. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, that we get to, one, we get to come before you. We get to come before the throne of grace. We get to, we get to lay everything at your feet. We don't have to carry things that we don't, that bog us down. We don't, all the sin you have victory over, you have conquered that. Um, we no longer have to be shackled by that. Lord, you have given us again and again grace and mercy and given us the, the spirit to walk in your path. And Lord, thank you. And through all this, it's not nothing that we have done. 100% everything you have done you've given us Jesus as as our substitute and because of that we have new life so Lord I thank you so much Father I pray for us as your your church just as this congregation um, that we would be a light to our community that we would be a light to those that are lost that are out there and they're in they're in chaos, um, both because of the things going on in society and chaos of moving towards uh, that eternal um, place of, of separation from you in the lake of fire. And Lord, that is not, that's not something I want to, I want to see. I know you don't because you say so in your word. So Father, help us to be bold. Help us to be able to share the gospel with people. Help us to be able to point people back to you as, as the Holy Spirit points us back to Jesus, as Jesus points us back to you. Father, help us point everyone back to you. So Lord, as we continue in our worship through our singing, through the offering, Lord, be blessed. Use everything for your glory. And Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are outside this congregation that are um, down the street and over the world. Lord, be with them. Join us all as one united body of Christ that we would know you and proclaim you that the world may know that you sent your son. So Father, I thank you. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. I love you, Lord.
like to have the guys come on up. We're going to take an offering. And you know, one of the things is the offering, it has to be a worship, right? It has to be a response to what God has done for us. And so it's, it's that, that heart of giving, not to an organization, right? We can't think of it as giving it to an organization. Why? Because then it's just building buildings. It's just building things, and eventually all this will burn away. It will all be gone, and what do we have left? We have God, and we have each other. That's it. And so this offering has to be God. We want to go out to bring more people to you, right? That's our focus. That, and if, that's n- if that ever stops being our focus and it's just about building things, we have lost the path that God has put us on. And so let's pray that that's what we use this for. Heavenly Father, this is yours. This isn't the build um, the alliance building, the alliance denomination. It's not meant to build us um, so we look good. Lord, it's only meant to build your church, build your kingdom. And you said you're going to do it. Jesus says he's going to build his church. So, Lord, build it. Use us as you would see fit. Lord, never allow us to get in front of you, to do our own thing, but only allow us to follow where you would have us. So, Father, use this to bless the people that you want to bring to yourself, that you are going to send us out to share the word with. So, Father, use it, multiply it for your purposes. Ask this all in your son's name. Amen. Jesus came into my heart.
of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll since Jesus came into my heart. We're sharing. Share it anyway. <laughs>